Welcome to the Grip City Golf Podcast, your source for new information, insightful interviews, and good old-fashioned banter about golf in Portland, Oregon. Today's episode is presented by Brink and Brown Sanitation. Introducing the hosts of Grip City Golf, Andy Dirk Johnson and Eric Peterson. Hey, what's happening, everybody? Welcome in episode number 23 of the Grip City Golf Podcast. You might have forgotten about us. It's been a while. We're back. We've had busy summers. My boy, Eric Peterson, Andy Dirk Johnson. What's going on, EP? How we doing, buddy? What's up, bro? I can't believe it's the end of August already. You know, you and I, we talk in like springtime jumping into summer about how much runway we have in front of us and then you blink and it's late august and we're thinking about football so grateful for the the opportunity to keep doing this with you and it's just crazy how how much time goes by and and how many people still listen to this i don't i still don't (laughs) understand why i never did at the beginning but um yeah it's fun to keep it rolling so good to see you man yeah, I was do- I was playing in a, a golf event on Saturday, and I got a hey, are you guys doing it? When's the next episode coming out? When, when, when I was like, hey, don't worry, all right, we got one coming up Monday, and uh, it's going to be a fun one today. So Julia Pine is going to join us coming up in a bit. If you don't know the name, she's the director of championship communications for the USGA, and the fifth uh, annual U.S. Senior Women's Open is coming this weekend at Waverly. So a really cool thing. We'll get into that and some of the history coming up in a bit. I got some observations uh, for the end of the podcast. We need to start, though. So the last time we were doing a podcast, we were mentioning we had an event coming up at Persimmon with the wonderful folks at the Northwest Golf Guys and that go get your tea time now because spots are going to run out. And the event came and went, and we just want to send out a giant thank you because it was a sellout. I played horribly but had an unbelievable time. We got to play with Travis and Zach and uh, our, our good friends there at Northwest Golf Guys. Dude, it could not have gone any better. I had a blast, and and thanks to everybody for showing up, man. Yeah, dude. I mean, talk about it. That that event went from this seed of an idea in our mind to uh, saying it out loud in a recorded format, like a podcast, which then all of a sudden means that, okay, we're there's accountability associated to, okay, we're going to do this, but we don't know exactly when and where it's going to be and how it's going to, who's going to actually run the event to, we mentioned it to the guys over at Northwest golf guys. So like this progression was, I had some doubts along the way, but once we got it in the hands of, of Travis and Zach and their team to run it. And then obviously the buy-in from persimmon to actually have them or have us, I should say. um, I was amazed that it happened. And then to see how well orchestrated the whole thing was uh, having Travis and Zach and, and those guys running it while still feeling like they're they have their wits about them and they can play in the event like you said they did it was i had an awesome time i was actually pretty amazed that so many there's so many golf degenerates out there that can just go play in a in a in a the first ever event on a monday (laughs) at noon noon noon. on a monday (laughs) and but man i don't know about you but i met so many cool people that had heard about our podcast or um like they, they just love golf and i i I think I told you this, but the the reason that was so successful was not because of anything that you or I did. It was because of the guys at Northwest Golf Guys and then Zach and the team at Persimmon allowing us to be there. So I hope we can do it again. There was nothing about it that I would change. Maybe maybe make it a scramble or something, <laughs> but I, I might be in the, in the minority on that. But yeah, I had a really good time. 
Dude, it was awesome. And I think your point is uh, well taken that uh, we were we were thinking about putting something on and then we quickly realized we don't really know what the hell we're doing in this space. And so maybe we should let people who know what they're doing uh, run this thing. And so, yeah, Travis and Zach were awesome for setting that up. If you haven't played in their events, I know we mention it all the time. It is worth it. In my golf game that day at our at our open championship at Persimmon was a prime example of why their events are great, because I played one of my worst worst rounds of golf of the summer. And I still won money. You know why? Because I entered the skins game and I birdied the third hole and it won a skin. So I took home, I don't know, 40, 50 bucks or something like that. And so they're worth it. You can put a, put together a hole and still come away with some money. I think you ended up finishing. You placed, didn't you? I think Eric Peterson took home some cash. I don't know if I did. I had to take off. I, <laughs> I told Travis to put my money back in the in the prize pool put it back in the coffer give it to somebody else that's deserving yeah. i love it well we had a great time the people at persimmon zach and all the chanley and the whole crew over there were great for setting the whole thing up so i've already reached out they said they loved it they'd love to make it an annual thing so uh we'll see if we can do one bigger and better next year but wanted to send a sincere thank you you had a buddy who flew in from arizona to play the event yeah and i couldn't believe that a friend of a friend yeah and, and uh, i couldn't either and i i think that just shows you the the reach of northwest golf guys and the fact that when they put their name on it, I think people know that it's legitimate. Whereas if it was just you and me kind of laughing and sending out tweets of, hey, come play golf with us, it might have just been like us and a few of our buddies. But but yeah, yeah some guys out there, <laughs> someone flew in from out of town to play and others just took took work off, like I said, on a Monday. So there's people out there. They just want they just love juice, man. You know, they just want to like put six footers that matter and I just think that's really cool. It shows you the power of golf and good weather and good golf course. And, totally. Yeah, the awesome. conditions were perfect. We're coming off some hot weather. The weather was great. It was it was perfect conditions. So thanks again to everybody for coming out. Look forward to next year. Bigger and better. We'll try and do it again. Maybe put a spin on it. Um, before we get to some other stuff, because I got some fun anecdotes of golf. We haven't done an episode in a while. So I've been jotting down notes in my journal that I want to run by you at the end of the episode. Julia Pine coming up in a moment. I, this is one of those things that I, you probably know a lot more about this than I do, but there's a really strong USGA history in the area. Like I, I, I know vaguely the the Tiger stuff when he won the USAM at, at Pumpkin Ridge. I remember being a caddy at Waverly and seeing in the caddy shack area, no pun intended, they had little Tiger pictures up and you're kind of connecting the dots because I was a little too young to remember when he won the US Junior Am at, at Waverly, but it's one of those cool kind of histories that's getting reconnected this week at Waverly, and I'm not to, I'm not sure it's a story that enough people are paying attention to. Yeah, it's it's amazing when you look at the the history of golf in Portland. Um, the USGA has hosted like more than a dozen tournaments in the city of Portland. Like when you count um, Waverly, PGC, Pumpkin Ridge, of course, the USGA likes coming to Portland, Oregon, and. And I, I just think that that speaks volumes to the market and the demand for golf and the interest in golf around Portland. I, and and also the the venues too, right? It, if the fans were going to come, but they didn't have anywhere to play, then they wouldn't come. So I, I think it's pretty cool when you see the community get behind it, the folks in, in Portland that need to kind of drum up excitement to the USGA to bring an event here, their support in that regard. I, I just think that the the proof is in the pudding, man. And the fact that, that the USGA came back to Waverly, um, I think is, is awesome. And as you and I have alluded in the past, like hopefully these USGA events are little teasers for, uh, I don't know, maybe bringing a us open here someday. I mean, you and I go back and forth, I think on like 
the likelihood of that ever happening. But hey, you know, in this day and age, dude, nothing should surprise us when we see things and when the there's tectonic shifts in the world of golf. Like, would you be totally shocked if you learned that the Portland got a, a US Open? I don't think I would anymore, right? It used to be that it's like, ah, eh, we don't have a chance. But the fact that the USGA keeps coming back, I think is that that bodes well, I think, for us in the future. But I just think it's it's really cool to see when a big time national golf tournament comes to this area. Totally, man. I, I mean, to your point, if you would have told me 10 years ago that Oregon and Rutgers were going to be in the same conference, I would have told you you were an idiot. And now look at us, Eric. We're in the same conference as Rutgers, okay? Crazy things can happen. I do. So Tiger is intertwined with, um, you know, obviously, the, the the amateur slate here and winning at Pumpkin and win, winning at Waverly. Can I, can I just throw this out there? Because there's a million different one of these Tiger stats that are like, oh, my God, that's the craziest stat I've ever seen. His you know, weeks at world number one, the cut streak, like there's a thousand of them that you could list of like, nobody's ever going to touch that this past weekend. Cause the U S amateur was happening out in Colorado. And I watched a lot of it. It was a great, it's one of my favorite events of the year. The grind that those guys go through. I love watching the U S am every year. It was circulating again. The tiger woods won three consecutive U S junior amateurs. One of them being at Waverly and then followed that up with three consecutive U S amateurs. One of them at pumpkin Ridge. And I don't know, like, of all the crazy Tiger things that gets thrown out, like, oh, nobody's ever going to do that. That's impossible. I, that one, I don't think it's enough credit. Nobody is ever going to touch that record, are they? Yeah, it, as far as his most untouchable records, like, that has to be that has to be up there. I think his cut streak has to be up there, too. And that, like you had also mentioned, the number of weeks he was at number one in the world. I, But I think that in no particular order, I honestly think that it's it that it's the cut streak. I think it's the number of weeks at world number one. And I would also put the stat you just mentioned of six consecutive USGA titles. Um, I don't I don't see anybody doing that. I mean, I don't think anyone's ever come even close to that since then. And it just furthers the narrative of of him being not a real human, that he's he's a super <laughs> droid. I'd have to look up even too how many people have won back to back U.S. amateurs or U.S. junior. Like it's just even just winning back to back is crazy. Let alone three in a row and then become going to the next tournament, the U.S. amateur, and winning three in a row. Just wild. Two of them were in Oregon, and there's another big event going on in Oregon this weekend. It is the U.S. Senior Women's Open at Waverly. Let's find out more about it. Joining us now on the pod is Julia Pine. She's a director of championship communications, and she is over at Waverly right now, getting ready for the event. And Julia. We got a million things I want to, you know, touch on and the course and the history and all that. I want to start, though, just with like a 10,000 foot view for those who don't know if their heads have been buried in the sand. What is happening and why is it a big deal and what's going down at Waverly this weekend? Yeah, well, thanks for having me. I love talking about the Senior Women's Open, so this is a treat for me. I was at the inaugural edition in 2018, haven't missed one since, um, but it's now the second newest USGA championship. Obviously, we're a 125-plus-year organization, so we don't get to use the word new that much when it comes to running national championships, but the Senior Women's Open is here at Waverly Country Club this week. It features names that golf fans will know. Annika Sorenstam, Julie Inkster, Laura Davies. So it's really a treat for those of us who have followed women's golf, have followed golf for decades to see um, these women still compete at such a high level. And the USJ loves Waverly Country Club. There's no secret about that. So it feels like a match made in heaven. And one name in addition to that, Julia, that, that our listeners would know is Laura Tennant. And I was just curious if you could touch on maybe a little bit of, of her history with the USGA and, and what it means to have someone who's not just from the area, but is a member at the host venue playing in the championship this week. 
Absolutely. Laura is one of my favorite people in golf, not just in USGA golf. So um, it's great to have her here. She is a three-time USGA champion. She has won the senior women's amateur. Um, we have a ton of amateurs in the field this week. The treat about the senior women's open is it mi mixes amateurs and professionals. So um, Laura has won three of these senior women's amateurs. She lost for the first time in a while last year in Alaska. So I know she's desperate to get another USGA championship under her belt, but obviously has a ton of local knowledge. She, like you said, she's a member here at Waverly. I was actually here for a qualifier the local Oregon Golf Association held its qualifier for this event here at Waverly so it was sort of like a practice round for some of those folks obviously Laura was exempt so she didn't have to worry about qualifying but she jumped on her sister's bag and caddied now her sister missed it unfortunately oh, but um, she was wearing a different hat that day it was kind of fun to see her in a USJ caddy bib but I know this is something she's looked forward to for years for the last three years since we announced this saw her on the range this morning she's grinding away so I know she'd love to have a great showing that's awesome. I love the local angle, the caddying too. It reminds me of Matt and Alex Fitzpatrick. I've kind of seen that recently on the PGA Tour as well. I mean, fifth annual. So you mentioned you've been at all five of these. I imagine it's changed and grown a lot in five years. How have you seen it change and grow the most? And what are you excited about most about the fifth annual this weekend? Yeah, so the funny thing about this event specifically is that we call them rookies, but as people turn 50, they become age eligible. Um, they like to use that word because I don't think uh, – these uh, ladies have been called rookies in quite some time, but every year we're seeing new people become age eligible for the championship. So it helps grow the field, new attention, new buzzworthiness, new storylines each year. So two this year that are kind of notable, um, one would be Charlotta Sorenstam, her sister, Annika won this, um, but she had to go to qualifying. She medaled. She was the top finisher in her qualifier. She obviously hasn't competed in a USJ championship in quite some time. Um, I heard her say today that her goal is to finish top 10 and she feels like her game is in the shape to do so. So personally, I would love to see a Sorenstam versus Sorenstam battle on Sunday. <laughs> um, Wendy Ward, she played uh, on the LPJ tour for a very long time. I think had four wins. She won the women's amateur back in the day newly 50. Um, and over the next few years, we're going to see more names, Kari Webb, Angela Stanford become eligible for this event. And I think specifically um, with our list of past champions here, Laura Davies, Annika Hel Helen Alfredson, it's become a new kind of check the box bucket list tournament for these women as they become age eligible. It's like you want to win a women's open, but you also want to win a senior women's open. So I think it's just grown in prestige because of the winners we've had. Um, and it continues to build its brand. People are learning about it. Obviously, it helps a lot that it's on Golf Channel. Um, but the whole industry really helped us embrace it um, back in 2018. And it's just building blocks from there. Julia, you had mentioned that this is the eighth decade that the USGA has hosted an event at Waverly Country Club. Did I hear that right? It is. Yeah, Amazing. we've been here one time for eight straight decades. Yep. So so then part of, I guess, my question is already answered, which was going to be like, what was it about Waverly that the USGA saw that they'd love to have one of your championships there? But um, it's kind of obvious that you have so much history here. But what is it about Waverly that's special that you love coming back here once a decade for the last 80 years? Yeah, I think it's two things. One is first and foremost, it's the golf course. I mean, these are USJ national championships. It has to be a test of golf. Um, and we've seen that here for eight straight decades. Um, I think 2017, we had the senior women's amateur here and obviously similar, similar demographic. It really showed us that this is a really great course for that demographic. And so it kind of raised our eyes to 
senior women's amateur, but how about a senior women's open? Um, and all the pieces just came together. This will be the first open championship held at Waverly. So while we've had seven past events, uh, kind of a new feather in their cap to have an open. And I'd say secondly, the membership. The membership just understands USJ Championship golf. Um, and they take pride in hosting these events. We can't do this without a supportive membership. I mean, they get host committees and volunteers and all of those things. And this championship specifically this year are on the club side was led by David Jacobson, who I know is um, kind of a pillar in this community. And he has just fully embraced this thing. And, and we're really thankful to him. I mean, on that note, I know us here in this area, we're always hungry for more golf events. And we've had some over the years and the Fred Meyer Challenge historically and obviously Waverly hosting a lot of these. Is it something at the USGA that you follow and track the fan interaction and the attendance numbers and just to see how events go in certain markets? And is that something that you keep an eye on for maybe bringing more events back to this area in the future? Absolutely. And I think, too, the fact that Portland has a longstanding LPGA event that um, has obviously been really successful, really made us realize that a women's event can be really successful here, too. Um, not just in golf, but Portland obviously embraces women's sports across the board, whether it be soccer or some other activities. Um, and the other thing, too, about the Senior Women's Open is it's really for everyone. It's family friendly. We call it a boutique open championship. So if you tuned into the Women's Am or Am this last week or two. Um, there's no rope lines. That's what a senior women's opens like. So we only rope tees and greens. You can follow along in the fairway behind uh, Julie Inkster and, and watch her shots up close and personal. So we want a community that's going to embrace that type, type of thing. Dirt, you know who you should follow if you go is Laura Davies, who has the strongest visor game in men's or women's <laughs> golf. Her visor game is really strong. Julie, I've been trying to get Dirt to wear a visor on the golf course and he can't do it. And Laura Davies, I hope she's still wearing a visor. I haven't seen her in a few years, but she is someone that I definitely think you'd enjoy following. She also hits at a mile way farther than you do, Derek. So Julie, I was going to say with Laura Davies, oh, sorry, with Laura Davies, she does this thing too, where she creates a tee out of turf. So she slams her driver into the ground. We call it a turf tee. And every single year we do a video of it and explodes on social media. So uh, you wouldn't think this group would be our social media fire, but but they are. They just do awesome things that are so throwback that, um, people are in awe by it these days. That's so cool. And so, Julie, you talked about just how accessible the golf course will be to fans when they're coming out and, and seeing it. And a lot of our listeners at least know about Waverly. That some of them have played of it, some of them hasn't. Can you tell us a little bit about kind of the the setup? I don't know if you've got yardages set yet or just some of the key holes that maybe people might be interested in following. Yeah, absolutely. So, for us, it'll play at about 6,100 yards, so shorter than you'd see on the LPGA. Obviously, these women are in their 50s. I mean, starts with holes 17 and 18 because they're right along the river here, and just the views are unbelievable. I mean, the players who are walking in, they can't believe that they haven't maybe even been here before or didn't know it was going to look like that. Um, you can go right up basically to the 18th tee box, be Riverside watching You know, some of the greatest players play. Um, it's really good golf, too. I mean – we always joke it's kind of a reunion for these women because they don't see each other on the regular every more anymore. Um, but once balls are in there on Thursday, it gets highly competitive and all the old rivalries start to um, poke out a little bit. I mean, you're talking about a group of women who played together on tour for decades um, and certainly have some history with each other. Um, and they, they want to host this, host this trophy at the end, but yeah, from a fan experience perspective, it's $30 a day. So it's very accessible. Kids 17 and under are free. Um, there's food concessions on, on site. Um, but like I said, the biggest thing that's different is you can walk inside the fairway. So pick your group and follow along. 
That is so cool. It's worth it for the ticket, too, because you just get great views along with the unbelievable golf. It's like a two, great two-for-one deal just to go check out a course that a lot of people don't get to see. And for those who can't make it, it was fun because I was watching the U.S. Amateur this past weekend uh, in Colorado, and at the, one of the closing credits, they had mentioned, hey, coming up next weekend on the Golf Channel. It was, a, again, a reminder. So for those who can't make it out this weekend, there are ways to watch it on TV, too. Yeah, so the weekend action will be part of the NBCU umbrella. So we'll be on both Golf Channel and Peacock um on saturday and sunday and thursday friday you can follow along with the uh, live scoring usj.org as well as a lot of stuff that we'll put up highlights video packages um on usj social media channels and so you had mentioned the like tickets and and how to get out there and see it so julia the the tournament itself is thursday friday saturday sunday but can folks come out the days before that or what's the schedule kind of look like for the week from a from a fan perspective yeah, we open to the public on Thursday when official balls are in the air. I think first tee time, 7.15. It's modeled after our other open championships. So four rounds of 18-hole stroke play. Um, we will make a cut after the first two rounds. It's a little bit of a smaller field than our other opens. It starts with 120 women. Um, I will say 24 of them are USGA champions, so an absolutely wild statistic. About 20% of the field has won a USGA championship in their past. Um, but, yeah, then we're open to the public Thursday through Sunday. Yeah, I was kind of surprised that when you mentioned and reading up on it that it's only the fifth uh, annual event in this. And you mentioned you've been at all of them and seen how it's grown and the addition of players. I, I guess just how much fun has it been to be involved with something and grow it from the ground up? Because the USGA, as you, as you highlight, has been around forever. A lot of these events, it's like the 130th or 110th or 115th. To have a fifth, that's got to be kind of a cool experience, I'd imagine, to you know, in, you know, know, create something and watch it grow year by year. Yeah, absolutely. I joined the USGA in 2017 and this debuted in 2018. So I feel really grateful to have been able to put some building blocks together before it was even um, a, a real thing. I mean, I'll never forget the first year. A lot of folks um, played in it kind of in an honorary sense, um, like a Pat Bradley, who's really past her prime of playing even as a senior, but she was like, I'm not going to miss this. this. The USGA is doing this for our group and I'm going to be there. Um, Nancy Lopez didn't play. She needed knee surgery, but she came as an honorary starter just because of how much this meant to this group of women. And I'll never forget. She was on the, we did a kind of opening tee shot, a ceremony um, to kick this thing off. We had someone, a Tony award nominee actually sing the national anthem and Nancy Lopez was on, a, on the first tee crying um, wow. because in, in fairness, and we will, say this it took us a long time to do this we should have done it earlier um it never was really the right time and and we still struggle a little bit with um kind of you know entries being where they are on the men's side i mean senior men's golf has a year-long tour so it just seemed more obvious to have an open championship these ladies aren't playing 52 weeks out of the year so um it kind of the time was right for us but we acknowledged that you know we probably should have done it a little sooner so it really meant a lot to this group um and i think that's why a lot of them still play in it i mean joanne parner is in her 80s and she's out here for the fifth time um playing in this uh she's shot her age in this championship i think four times now um you've got hollis stacy and amy alcott um who who are not you know, going to place in the top 10 this week, but they've made the cut the last few years. So um, it kind of reignites their competitive spirit. And again, it's just a special thing to be a part of for me. And, and so cool that you were there from the very beginning. I mean, like, as, as we've talked about, some of these championships have been around forever. Like how many folks at the USGA can say that they've been involved in every one of a, <laughs> of a USGA championship? And you have that. You can put that on your resume. That you've been a part of this one. Since it's beginning. I know if this thing doesn't fit my schedule one year, I'm still going to make an appearance one day so I can keep the record going. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. What's been your favorite part about being out in the Portland area so far this week? Have you had any time to go check out the city or have you been just grinding away at Waverly? 
Yeah, no, a little bit. We're checking out the restaurant scene, uh, the brewery scene. Haven't been to this one yet, but just got a recommendation to go to Widmer Brothers. Probably botched oh, the name. Of course. Um, no, it's the perfect. The CVB here um, and Sport Oregon has been awesome. They sent me a list of all these places we had to go. Um, and they set it up for us in terms of like, good for a group, good for foodies, good for adventurous eaters. So we're going to make our way through that list this week. That's awesome. Well, there's, I mean, that's a whole nother trip you could make out here just to like, do the <laughs> micro brew scene. So, cause you're based out in, is it, are you in Pinehurst or in New Jersey? Yeah. So I actually just made the move from New Jersey to our Pinehurst office, which will officially yeah. open in January. We'll still be kind of heavy in New Jersey, but HQ2 is uh, in Pinehurst now. Maybe you need a West Coast HQ. And I mean, that office looks pretty nice behind you. Maybe it's at Waverly. I mean, I'm just saying, I'm just saying. You know, I'm from California, so I don't disagree. <laughs> I love it. Well, Julia Pine is her name. She's a director of championship communications. The fifth U.S. Senior Women's Open is this weekend at Waverly. Tickets are only $30. It's going to be on the Golf Channel on Saturday and Sunday. You can keep an eye on it. Thank you so much for the time, Julia, for highlighting what is a really cool event. We're so thrilled to have it in our area. I can't wait to get out there and watch some action this weekend. Thank you, guys. It was a pleasure. So I, first off, Julia was awesome. Thanks again to her for coming on the pod, EP. Uh, eight, eight decades? Eight decades in a row with an event at Waverly Country Club? That that blew my mind. The only thing I wish I would have asked her, and maybe she didn't know off the top of her head, but how many other venues can say that? I mean, I'm sure you go back to, like, Oakmont and and Wingfoot and some of these these classic old school venues that have hosted a lot of USGA events. Maybe they've had a, a USGA event for 80, 80 consecutive eight consecutive decades. But the fact that that's going on at Waverly is not something that I knew. I mean, I thought I I knew a little bit about the history of the USGA championships at Waverly, but I didn't realize it goes back eighty years. Pretty wild. Eighty years, man. It was nineteen fifties. It was so it was back at so. Several of them were women's amateur events, but as Julia alluded, this is the first professional tournament. So the, yeah. the, um, that, that they've had, so this is the eighth one, but I mean, I know that like going, when you go way back, like the history of, and like who played it, there's not as much information available maybe, but I think a lot of people know that Tiger won the U S junior there in 1993. What I had forgotten, I knew that they hosted the U S amateur back in the day, but it was in 1970 and Lanny Watkins won it. It'd be fun to have him come on the pod sometime and great. talk about his memories of playing in that tournament. And I do remember, like, correct me if I'm wrong, I'm just shooting from the hip here, but I feel like Peter Jacobson, when he was on, he told us a story about either trying to qualify for that or he was he he had mentioned that tournament at Waverly in 1970 because I think he's he might have been in high school when that was happening. But um, anyways, there's a lot of people involved and it's just a matter of like, finding people who can come on and tell stories and um, just remarkable that, that Waverly's hosted that many. And I'm excited to see it on TV. I mean, these, these past ones haven't ever been on TV. So yeah. with this new um, NBC sports golf channel media rights agreement, they're putting like all of the USGA championships on television and on Peacock streaming. So there's several different ways you can watch it. And I'm, I'm looking forward to just seeing a golf course that I know pretty well right here in our backyard on TV. So that part will be fun. Well, I think that's a great angle, too, for people who, if you've never had the chance to be at Waverly or play at Waverly, uh, you and I both obviously worked there. I was my first job ever as a caddy at Waverly, and I mainly just did it because you could play for free on Mondays if you caddied that week. And 
Why I stopped doing that, I don't know. I still contemplate sometimes. Would they let a 34-year-old caddy? Can I just come play oh, on Oh, come Mondays? on. When, they were, when, you, when we were kids caddying there, there were caddies that were in like their They're 50s totally, or 60s. Yeah. They, might, they might have been like, I don't know if they were necessarily like retired and successful and just doing something for fun. They were more like maybe looking for a job. But <laughs> Sure, mean, you get to play for free on Mondays. It was I, a great deal. I don't think anybody would care if you... Whether or not you could actually get a bag is a different question, but yeah, um, you should go back true. and try to be a caddy. Play in the or caddy tournament at the end of the year. Remember Hell that? Hell yeah, let's go. Or if I'm in good enough shape to carry somebody's tour bag for 18 <laughs> holes, that's to be determined as well. I'm not sure about that. Uh, so if, if you've never seen it, it's a great, like, go out and support it because these things are always important for future events, as she highlighted. And then as you mentioned there, EP, it's going to be on TV. So if you just want to see what Waverly looks like, you get you can either walk the course uh, this weekend, Thursday through Sunday, or get a look at it on TV uh, this weekend. So really cool event going on. Obviously, strong women's golf push here in the next couple of weeks in the local area. And so it's just something to keep an eye on. And thanks again to uh, to Julia for hopping on. I, I had a bit of a revelation this weekend, buddy. And I, I know you're like-minded, and I want to run it by you. I don't know if it's age, maturity, um, I, I don't know what it is, but there's something that clicked with me this weekend. I played in a, in a charity scramble on Saturday. It was for a, a police officer who had lost his life a number of years back. It was the fifth annual. It was the first time I had played in it. It was up at Three Rivers uh, on Saturday. And I, I used to be kind of anti-scramble. You get I get so wrapped up in my own ball, my own game, my score. How How is my swing feeling? Like there's so many of those thoughts that are always consuming me as a golfer. And for a weekend in which I've kind of come off a couple of weeks and not playing very well, having just like a little team camaraderie, scramble format, and you're just, you get out of your own head and you're just playing golf and there's not a lot of pressure. I got to tell you, buddy, I like, I had a light bulb moment this weekend that I am now pro scramble and I'm, I'm, I'm going to be looking for more scrambles next summer. I'm guessing that part of the reason you've turned the corner on this is that did you guys win the tournament or did you do something cool? So like we did not. So we didn't, we ended up not showing up in time to get the instructions. And so there was a bag in our cart that we did not realize came with mulligans and rope <laughs> and all that stuff. So we thought it was just a legitimate scramble, but let me run this by you. We shot 15 under without any sort of gimmicks or handicaps or nothing like just 15 under. I was stoked. We were like grinding out thinking we were going to win. And then we got done and realized that we had all these mulligans and different tools that we didn't use. So we got blown out. But 15 under for just normal, no mulligans, no retees, nothing. I, I was really impressed by that. So what was the winning score? Do you I think it ended up being 24, 25 under, which, you know, Dude, I mean, I know anytime that. you bring string into the equation, that to me is like, and like, Hey, you can move your T ball up to this point in the fairway kind of thing. Like we didn't do any of that. It was just straight ball down 15 under par, but it just, I don't, it was so fun to have kind of the team component of it. And then just, you know, I, I don't know, feeding off each other. I'm a big fan of scrambles. So if you're, if you got any scrambles next year, sign me up, buddy. I think that with, with age comes a lot of things that we don't like, you know, gray hair and you're not as good a shape. And, um, but I think one of the good things that comes with age is humility, right. And, um, lowering expectations or, or maybe I guess recompartmentalizing what truly matters in life, right. Is totally, you sort of learn more, you become older and wiser. And I, as it relates to scrambles, I would imagine that you just start to appreciate just the mere fact of playing golf outside in the sun and drinking a couple beers with your friends, right? Like that becomes the number one priority and secondary or third, fourth, fifth down the line somewhere is how you play it. And whereas when you're younger and, and a lot of people that are good players, 
they get really competitive and they are scratching, trying to improve. And we're all trying to improve, but maybe when you're younger and if, and if you're a better player, you take that a little bit more to heart than other people would. Whereas when you get older, you're like, you know what, this doesn't matter as much as other things I got going in my life. So let's just accept it for what it is. Right. And it ends up being a lot more fun. And it's funny timing. We're talking about this because I played in a scramble last Thursday, the Cleveland high school alumni um, scramble and which you were invited to, but we're going to have to take a day off from your real job. So I understand you couldn't make it, but hey, I only we, work we, three hours a day. It's not hard to fit into my schedule, but it just happened to be yeah. in that window. <laughs> I swear it wasn't on purpose. We didn't yeah. do that. On purpose. But, but yeah, like, I, I mean, I think I've told you in the past that I've, I've been a scramble guy for a long time. I, I just think they're, they're fun. There's something about, there's something about hitting a bad tee shot and knowing that it's okay. You don't have to go find it and hit it. <laughs> Although uh, one thing I will say about playing in scrambles, that's hard. Um, it kind of reminds me of when I used to travel a lot, but one of the hardest things about traveling for me was moving from first class. If you get upgraded that the, the next flight, when you have to sit in coach again, like having to go back to coach right. is like one of the most frustrating things about traveling to people listening to this. If you've ever experienced that, you know what I'm talking about. It's, you know, you're grateful to fly first class and get upgraded once anyways, but when you do, it's hard to go back. So with scramble tournaments, you play in a scramble and then the next time you play golf and you have to go find that ball you hit in the woods, you're, yeah. you're like, it makes you hate golf. Like, you're like, dude, this isn't fun. Like what, <laughs> what happened to my buddy bailing me out? Now I got to go hit that. Or like right. you're asking me what score I had and I'm trying to add it up because I hit it in the hazard and I don't even really know what I just shot on that hole. I mean, scrambles are, they're just so much fun. The only downside being that you don't get to play them every time, I guess. Exactly. The, the freeing feeling of knowing you hit a horrible tee shot, but somebody pipe one 290 right down the middle and you just don't have a care in the world. You're driving your car over to pick up your ball, thinking about what your next shot's going to be. Oh, it's just, a, it's a great feeling. So Or the, or the opposite it. of where like, if, if your buddy goes first and just pipes it 300 down the middle and then oh, you yeah. go up next and you're like, you know, just like <laughs> gripping it so hard, like check <laughs> this out guys. And most of the time you hit it into the railroad tracks, like at Eastmoreland, but you just totally. know that, Hey, no pressure. Let's go. Well, so you mentioned you guys won the Cleveland Alumni Tournament last Thursday. The Eric Peterson group dominates that tournament every year. I think that's why you had it at 8 a.m. So I couldn't show up and help out the second place team because I was invited to be on the second place team, but I couldn't quite make it work. Let me ask you, though, I need to know this because you've had the driver out of your bag all summer. Scramble format. Tell me that bad boy was in there, right? It was not. And oh, come there, on. there's a reason why. So, OK, hear me out. So I have this Callaway three deep X hot three wood that my father-in-law had one. And I, I hit it. Uh, this was a few years ago. And I don't, I don't know if it's because of the shaft or the weighting of the three wood or whatever, but for whatever reason, it comes off really low. And I started hitting that when I was just borrowing it from my father-in-law, like almost as far as I hit my driver back when I had a good relationship with my driver. <laughs> well, I just started dinking around with it and found one on eBay, the same exact three wood, same exact model year, um, same exact shaft, but with a 13 degree loft instead of 14 and a half was the one that I, 14 and a half, I was hitting almost as far as my driver. Okay. okay. So I bought the 13 and I'm not kidding, dude. It comes off lower than my driver. Like I seriously hit it lower and with a more penetrating ball flight than my driver. 
And so it is my driver. It's like, it's got a smaller head. It doesn't look like a driver, but it goes just as far as my driver. Now, people are saying that's ridiculous. If you had the same swing mechanics on a, a, a nine degree club, why would it not go as far as one that has th even 13 degrees? I don't know what it is. I'm not a gearhead. I don't, I can't explain it. <laughs> All I know is that I hit that thing plenty far and you know, at a course like East Moreland and especially in scramble tournaments, like you're playing the white tees, like you don't, you don't need to hit it uh, any farther than call it, you know, 280 or whatever. And that's about as far as I can pump that three wood out there. So that's why my driver's not in the bag. So is it because I don't have a good relationship with my driver? Maybe. Yes, you could say that, but it's also because I'm doing just fine with what I have. So I'm going to drop it. my mic based on that right there. I'm done with driver talk. Hey, look, I, I can, uh, I, I, I can't come from a place of experience cause I can't hit my three wood that far. And if I could hit my three wood that far, I'd probably do the same thing. It's just fun to give you some grief. Cause we were playing at persimmon with Travis and Zach and they both kind of looked at you like, no, where's the driver? You don't have a driver. Nope. No driver in the back, man. Nothing in there. So I'm sure you get that a lot, especially at a scramble too. Cause as you point out, that's one of the cool things about a scramble is somebody hits that first good tee shot. I'm seeing it. I'm, I'm going to throw my back out. How hard can I swing at this thing? Totally. And nine times out of 10, it goes out of bounds, but it's just fun to hit it with no consequences. Um, one other note on that, though, too, I do want to give a shout out because I like doing this. And as a country club guy, I don't get out and play as many courses as I used to. I'm kind of confined to one spot, which I love persimmon. And it's mostly a, a convenience thing for me because not many people can play at one o'clock in the afternoon on a Tuesday. And so it's great to have the convenience right there. Dude, Three Rivers, if you haven't been up there, it's about an hour north, north of Kalama up there. Awesome track, man. It was in really good shape. The greens were pristine. I get up there about once a year, and I hadn't yet this summer. And so to get back up there and play it was awesome. And they've also climbed into my top five of best golf course hot dogs. The, the hot dogs were delicious. So the, the Three Rivers has jumped into the top five there. Is Three Rivers the one with there's a river on the back nine? Like the there's some water going on, on that the i believe is tri mountain i think is what you're oh, thinking okay. about so I what did, what did you like about three rivers it's just the it's a really gettable course especially from the white tee we played it at scramble obviously from the white so it's really gettable uh some smaller landing spots for greens so it can be a little tricky with your approach shots but i just i don't know the the, the way it kind of opened up it wasn't super easy but not super challenging uh fun layout of par fives that are reachable it just i don't know I, whenever you have that combination for me i really enjoy it and then as long as your greens and fairways are in really good shape, I'm all in. And the greens were some of the best I'd seen in a long time, just perfectly uh, manicured green. And so you didn't have any weird bounces and rolls, no burnout spots. And so the course was in great shape too on top of That's it. great marketing for a golf course to host a scramble tournament because everyone had a great time. Everyone loved it, right? I mean, <laughs> That's right. Yeah. It's like if you want to come and think that our course is great, we like it's because of a scramble tournament. Because half the time you don't like a course, you play it the first time because you didn't play well. And you're like, I hate that course. It's like, well, it's because you shot a 96. That's why you didn't like the course. Exactly. You would have shot an 82. You would have loved it. That's the way it works. Um, okay, let's see here. I think that's all I got in my notes, buddy. Do we want to end with some fun stat or story? Do you have anything else you want to get to? You know, I think that let's do it in the next episode. I'd, I'd like to do either a pre-event or post-event on the LPGA tournament, the, the Portland Classic at Columbia Edgewater because one of our favorite humans in the world is playing in that tournament this year, Kyra Lee, who, as some may know, uh, hopefully they know that she went to Cleveland High School and she's one of the most successful uh, alumni athletes in Cleveland High School sports history. But she made it to the quarterfinals of the U.S. Women's Amateur a couple weeks ago down at Bel Air Country Club. 
which is and, awesome. I mean, incredible. And so she's playing in in the the Portland Classic at Columbia Edgewater. So I my mind is is there before I shift into college football mode. Would love to get either get her on or at least just get kind of perspective on what on her path from hitting on the mats at East Moreland to getting a, a full ride at Oregon State to making it to the quarterfinals in the U.S. Women's Am to now playing with the pros at the Portland Classic. Like she's had herself a pretty cool last little couple of years. And it'd be fun to just be inspired by her because I'm I'm inspired just hearing about how she's doing. And it'd be fun to see her do well at that tournament too. What if she makes the cut, dude? What if she's awesome. like in contention at that tournament? Like how crazy it would that be? Would be so cool. I can't wait to get out there and watch her. And I, I will say this. I, some people nerd out on golf a lot more than I do. I think the two things that I nerd out most on are on the men and women's amateur tournaments. Like I just, whenever those weeks roll around for me, I don't know what, I don't, I think it's just the format and how much golf goes into it and the stroke play into a bracket, into individual matchups and the shots that you see and the back and forth momentum swings there's something about match play that is just really captivating for me and so i've had so much fun watching those the last couple of weeks the women's one you mentioned at bel-air following her and see how far she made it the men's one was awesome this past weekend and so i i don't know i, I nerd out when those come around and, and they're really cool uh you got a statter story you want to close with today because we mentioned waverly big event going on so what's your statter story for waverly all right <clears throat> pull this up all right it's the number 85. 85. Is it the age of the oldest competitor at the U.S. Senior Women's Open this week at Waverly? Okay. Or is it the score I shot at Waverly last time I played there? Okay, so here's the tough part. I feel like 85 is probably a little too old to play in a senior open. I don't have a lot of frame of reference on that. So that makes me want to say lower. However, I also know your golf game and I know that, you know, Waverly well, and you've played a lot of rounds there over the years and 85 seems a little too high for your golf game. So I'm kind of stuck in between feeling like the age should be younger and the score should be younger, but I know one of these has to be true. And I think I'm going to lean the ages. The age has got to be younger. I'm, I'm going to go. Eric Peterson shot an 85 last time he played Waverly. It is a stat. It is the age of the oldest competitor at the U.S. 85 years old. Wow. Let's pull up her name here. I'll yeah, we got to give her a shout out. That is impressive. And I wonder how many strokes she could beat me by. Yeah, I almost want that to be a televised event. One-on-one, -on -one, me versus her. <laughs> it's uh, Ann Sander. And she's from Seattle, Washington, of all places. Okay. And she's, the, she, she's won seven USGA championships in the past trailing only a gentleman by the name of tiger woods who's won nine never heard of him as well as bobby jones <laughs> wow and and also eight titles won by joanne gunderson and jack nicholas so she's like in the top five of most usga titles ever won and she's 85 years old she's from seattle and she's playing in the tournament this week 85 <laughs> how demoralizing would that be to play against her and just get your tail whooped as you're like you're hitting 290 yard drives, but she's just up and down and everything for par and bogey, just demoralizing. <laughs> I I would, I mean, I'm I'm interested to go to the tournament just to just to meet her. I don't I don't yeah. even need to see her play. I mean, obviously it'd be fun to see her play, but she's probably just a a, a really impressive, amazing woman. Good for her. That is so cool, man. 85 years old. That's awesome. What was the score last time you played Waverly? Do you know? I played it in May, and I 
I think I shot 80. I might have broken 80. 80 by one. It was okay. the last day that it rained in Portland. Was like it was like the end of May, if you remember that. It just poured. I do. I was out at Oswego Lake that day, and it That's was right. miserable. It was yeah. the same day. It was like next day, sun came out, and it never it, the rain never returned. Yeah, I thought, it it I... hasn't rained since that day. No. Can I get a crack at this course again? Well, if anybody is at Waverly listening and they want to invite us out to play the course, you know, to try it out for the tournament, I guess we could do that as a podcast. I mean, twist my arm if you want us to come play. We can, but. Uh, I'm looking forward to it, buddy. It's going to be a lot of fun, and we can watch it this weekend. Yeah, man, I'm super excited, and and that course is always in such great shape, so it's not like I'm excited to see what kind of shape it's in because it's always perfect, but I am interested to see some of the shots that they hit and the short game of some of these women I've heard is really, really impressive, so it'll be fun to see that. It's just cool to see professional golfers play courses that you have access to and that you played before. It's always the same when they're at Pumpkin. It's the same at Columbia. It's just it's fun to see that kind of, oh, that's how they attack that hole or that's what they shot on that back nine. It just makes it cool. And so it's going on this weekend. Go out and support it. It gives us a better chance to host events uh, in the future. And I know this was a prolonged hiatus in between episodes, but it's great to be back. The golf games are going strong and we'll look forward to next time, buddy. Yeah, man, let's cram for the final. Let's do another one before I lose you to, to football season. And and honestly, kind of lose me too, to just mentally and when my focus shifts, but um, yeah, let's uh, there's, there's a lot more season in front of us. I hope we can get out and play again and just look forward to each time we we do this and each time we play golf so let's make it happen amen brother the chili's not quite in the crock pot yet not (laughs) quite yet we got some time to go thanks everybody for tuning in thanks again to julia pine for coming on hope to see you out at waverly this weekend it's going to be a lot of fun uh that'll do it episode 23 until next time go low everybody i hit it hard man so far man no laying up no holding back ain't afraid of nothing it's a natural Giving up by now, all the rough I've seen, these ups and downs, somehow I just keep on playing through. 